Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching! <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicke and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hi, uh, I'm Matt Stewart. And, uh, Hi, I'm Jess Perkins. So good to be here. We have smoothed that out because that was becoming yeah. a bit clumsy. <laughs> not too long ago, so it is good that we've got that working a lot nicer. It used to be really unpredictable, but now yeah. it's like we've just got this beautiful structure where we both just know exactly what we're going to say yes. and what order we say it in, yep. and it just, like, it just flows. Well, yeah. let me just say there's another person here who may also what? know what to say. Please welcome in our special guest. It's Andy Matthews. Hi, Andy. Hello. Thanks so much for having me here on the show uh, about introductions and how well they've yeah. gone. Yes. And, oh, that's so good. And how do you and think yours went? As a, as a long-term fan of the podcast, might I say, it's good to see that you haven't got any more comfortable with the concept <laughs> of introducing yourselves or explaining what the podcast does. Because <laughs> as soon as you lose that, for me, you've sold out. And <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. We get some big sponsor I think 250 like... episodes, you're keeping it fresh. <laughs> I love it. Each one is like the very first time. (laughs) 
This is some uh, this is some of the nicest feedback we've ever had. Thank you so much, Andy. <laughs> I appreciate that. Andy, listeners will know you from a previous visit to the Do Go On podcast show where mm. you talked about some sort of scientist. Sir Isaac Newton. That's Sir right. Isaac Newton, that's yes. right. And I think about that all the time when I don't want to and that thing about him poking himself through the eye hole. And I can't, and then I can't stop thinking about it. Oh, I'm God. like, fuck you, Andy. And then, and then you're like, how do I get this out of my head? I know. I'll get a pointed stick and I'll drive it from my brain. Yeah, it's a common, it's a common uh, thing that a lot of people go through. Yeah. But you're back. It's so good to have you back. Um, you're also a regular on, on all of the podcasts in this podcast network. You've been oh, on. Oh, I mean, regular many, many is a times. strong word. You've been on Book Cheek? Yes. And you also do your own podcast on the Planet Broadcasting oh, Network called Two in the Think Tank, where you come up with five sketches with your comedy writing friend, Alistair Tremblay Birchall. God, now, see, you bring some of that introductory confidence to the Do Go On podcast, Matt, <laughs> and you will really be on fire. Look, if I was in, in Dave's spot, I'd, I reckon I could make it real smooth every time. He mm. leads us in and it <laughs> sort of walks us right off a cliff at the start every week. <laughs> Oh, so you think it's hard? You don't think I should say I'm here with Matt and Jess? You want me to speak for you? Is that what you'd like me to do? <laughs> no, I'm here with Matt. Uh, he's a good guy, and I'm here with Jess. She's a great stand-up comedian, uh, radio host. Anyway, uh, let's start the show. Is that what you want? <laughs> That's better. That would be better. Uh, we I can like take that. it out of our hands Clip that. as much as possible. Clip that out and, um, Put that up. Yeah, I love Matt. that. I gave Jess a couple of credits, and I Matt said Matt is a good guy. <laughs> Sorry about that, yeah. Matt. You're also a good comedian. <laughs> oh, no, honestly, that's that's my number one priority in life is to be a good guy. That all that other stuff is just cream on the cake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or in, in the cake. Cream goes in the cake, doesn't it? No. Oh, well, well, icing's well, on the cake. We don't know. Cakey, yeah, you make weird stuff. Mm. You have wrong orders with things. Why are you putting cream in a cake? Ooh. Anyway, Andy is, uh, so his podcast on the Think Tank also is a live performing comedy duo with Alistair Trombo Birchall. That's right. And you put together a, a live show which is streaming on SOS Presents. Is that right, Andy? SOS Presents. You can go along and get it. You can get our, uh, our acclaimed, critically acclaimed show from the comedy festival last year, Magma. And if you're one of the enormous sector of the online community who is just crying out <laughs> for a comedy engineering presentation about mm. the the world building potential of liquid hot magma, mm. then uh, this is I got to say this is the show for you. We encourage you to watch it. It is, I think, funny, <laughs> and you know if I think it's funny, that means it might be pretty good. It is. Well, I saw yeah. it live at the Comedy Festival and it was uh, very, very funny. Mm. And it was one of those almost annoying shows where everyone is talking about it and no one's talking about my show. You know that, <laughs> <laughs> you know that feeling? And, and you actually, I remember you stood up in the audience and you said, all right, we get it. You've got a show called Magma. Why don't you talk about my show? Yeah. Yeah. And you said, Matt, yeah. you're right. And we dedicated the rest the remaining 59 <laughs> minutes of the hour show. They jumped in early, didn't I? <laughs> uh, can, can I just say that I also saw the show last year with Jess. We went mm -hmm. along one night and saw it, and it was the funniest show I saw last year, and I also saw Matt's show, so. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is getting uncomfortable. Wait, was um, last year when you directed my show, Dave? <laughs> Look, I'm not. Yes, yeah, so we paid him I, handsomely to ensure that your show wasn't better than ours. So it's good to see we got our money's worth. Well, I, yes, I saw the show at the comedy festival, and then uh, Andy and Al did a couple of sort of encore performances at the Butterfly Club uh, later in the year, which I bought tickets to, and I missed it because I oh got the time wrong in my own head, and oh. so. 
by the time I realised the show was starting, I hadn't left my house yet. Mm. Um, so, look, they got my money and sort of my financial support but definitely not my uh, my laugh in the crowd that night. Um, but I've since watched it again on SOS Presents. <laughs> and that is the beauty of the stream. hoovering buddy out of the gym. <laughs> The beauty of the stream is it doesn't matter if you realise that the show is about to start when you're still at home because that's perfect. Just yeah, press perfect. play. You can press play. play. Any, no any moment of the day. Yeah. In fact, it would be a nightmare if you showed up at the Butterfly Club only to then realise that the sh- that you were supposed to be watching it at home. But even yeah. then you could probably do it over your phone. Yeah. So, uh, just And just sit outside the Butterfly Club <laughs> in an alleyway. I highly recommend people uh, check that out. Um, and there'll be a link in the show notes, which we know everyone reads. So um, mm-hmm. click mm-hmm. on that and you can go all the way there. And while you're there, you can also buy tickets to our upcoming live streams. We're doing four live streams. Uh, I can't remember too many of the details of them, but I think they start sometime in November and then sometime in December. But the details will be in the show notes there. Uh, let me just take over there, Matt, just to take some confusion out of the, the first one uh, is on the 22nd of November, Melbourne time. But we are doing four different, uh, so it's four weekly shows and they're all at different times because this is a world tour. So there's some that cater to every single time zone. All four of them. But you can also. Uh... <laughs> We're going to cover all four time zones. We're that good. Yeah, we're that good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Whichever we... of the four hemispheres you live in will cater to you. Easy peasy, don't worry about it. But but like Andy's show, you can also catch up online. So even if you're not awake at the 3 a.m. one, just watch the next day. You'll be right. Yeah, it's fine. And yeah, I, be say, a... I love this world tour concept. I, I When I heard about it, I thought that's really bloody good. <laughs> that means a lot, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so and I'm much, sorry Andy. if anyone heard some jingling, <laughs> some little jingle bells in the background of that excellent explanation. Um, I was trying to chase the cat out of the room <laughs> and she was being <laughs> she was being very evasive. They like that, aren't they? I love the word trying evasive. like he didn't succeed. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I didn't. In the end she went into a different room and I just had to lock her in there. <laughs> now, Andy, you've not only dropped by to plug your sweet comedy show, which we would have done anyway. It's just a coincidence you were here. Now the we cat were... is meowing really loudly <laughs> trying to get out of that room. <laughs> just, Matt, you just carry on with that introduction. Just keep, just keep it rolling. All right, rolling. I'll build it up. And... I'll keep building it until you sit back in front of that microphone. So, All right. We, Andy's not only here to plug his fantastic comedy show Magma with Alistair Trombley Birchall, uh, he's also here, and we're so lucky to have him back here, he's here to tell us a story about something. Just Dave and I don't know what it is, and this is how the show normally works. One of the three of us, in this case one of the four of us, <laughs> researches a topic and they bring the research they uh, committed to paper usually or in some <laughs> cases on to the screen of their computer, and then they'll read out that report back to us because they've just lathered themselves up in the knowledge of this topic. You've done so well. And this week, Andy is going to be doing this (laughs) topic today, and we always start the topic with a question. Andy, what is your Mm. question today? My question to you is, if you had to be held up by an 18th century bushranger, Oh, wait, that should be 19th century. God. <laughs> if oh, you sorry. had to be held up. Sorry, I've already started thinking about my favourite 18th century. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Give me a second here to recalibrate. If you had to be held up by a 19th century bush, bush ranger, who would be the best one to get? 
Ooh. Oh, it's got to have gentleman in his name. Is it Gentleman Dan or something? Gentleman Dan would be my choice, yeah. Because <laughs> he goodness. was known for giving people money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he would he'd be like, well, I'm a bush ranger. Do you want a mansion? Here you go. They called him Gentleman Dan to his face, but behind the, <laughs> behind the scenes they called him Dumbass Dan. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I mean, we've done Ned Kelly before, but he was 18th mm. century, wasn't he? Who else was there? There's... He was he was also 19th century. So 19th oh. century is the 1800s. Mm. Yeah, right. This is what 17, tripped me up. 17, I'm, I always get confused with Australian uh, colonial history. The 1700s mm. is when... The British came, is it? Yeah, yeah that's so right. Late 1700s. So it was eighteen hundreds. That's right. Everything happened in the mm. late eighteen hundreds in terms of the stuff we learn in primary school about the thousands of years of Australian history. We learn about mm. twenty years in the eighteen hundreds, where <laughs> Burke and Will set off. Uh, Ned Kelly was yes. around, and my, uh, correct you know, a boat. There was some sort of boat stuff as well. Um, the only one other name that comes to mind is Captain Moonlight. Is that one? Ah, yeah, he he is ab- he is one, I believe, but that is not that is not correct. Matt was Ooh. absolutely on the money with the word gentleman. Oh, really? <laughs> we are talking today about Matthew Brady, gentleman bushranger. <laughs> <laughs> so incredible instincts. Oh, wow. Awesome. I my my alternative title for this episode was Matthew Brady, Tasmanian bushranger, which oh, is okay. very exciting to me uh, as a Tasmanian. And yes. that's what drew me unto him, but uh, I thought his, you know, the, the, the he was also known as the gentleman bushranger, and that wow. that has a certain appeal. Yeah, yeah I like that. that. That's where we're going today. He robs you, um, and he shines your shoes and yeah. gives you a breath mint or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think you're thinking of a sort of a servant or possibly an Uber driver. <laughs> an Uber dri- but, I've mashed yeah. up Uber drivers and servants there. I'm mm. thinking of Niles from the nanny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, shall we get into it? Yeah, yes. I'm excited. This sounds great. Mm, here we go. Matthew Brady, also known as Matthew Brady, uh, was born in Manchester in around 1798 to Irish parents. So he would have considered himself Irish. I think that mm-hmm. you know that was that was the time when you know you were you were Irish from Irish stock. Yep. He would have thought of himself as an Irishman. Matt uh, still and- tries to claim at it. So. No surprises. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm oh, more I do than 50% yeah. Irish. So. Mm. I'm like, yeah, both sides of my family are Irish, but, you know, we've been here for five generations. I'm like, yeah, I'm basically Irish. <laughs> yeah, I can river dance. <laughs> I, I, you, I did think of myself that way until I met an Irish person travelling in Europe and I said that and she told me to fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I have not, I've, I've stopped thinking of myself that way since. She's like, no, you're not. <laughs> Yeah, she apparently, right. she's like you get that. She's she said she gets it all the time. Yeah, and it's annoying. Mm. And I said, fair mm. enough. You've, <laughs> you're, you're totally right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I I still think of myself as a Homo erectus. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'd chosen a, a thing that didn't have erect in the name. No. Oh. No, all the gonna... all the human ancestors. And I, you, know, you I went for it. Homo erectus. <laughs> You may as well just have just said, I've got a stiffy, you know? Mm, yeah. Idiot. You're right. I should have said that. That's why I was so disappointed with myself. You think of yourself as gentleman stiffy. <laughs> yeah. The stiff bush ranger. <laughs> and now, as a young man, uh, Matthew Brady or Brady, the breadster, 
was a groom for the horses of a wealthy family, um, by which I assume he was a groom. Yeah, he uh, married them. He, <laughs> I've actually got that written down as the joke here that I was about to do, by which I assume he was getting married to the horses. <laughs> We're on the same page, Jess. I yeah, like, I like that. Um, he apparently had a good sense of humour and he was well-spoken and wrote a good hand. So oh. uh, you can you can see what the horses saw in him. <laughs> All right. He wrote a good hand. Wrote a good hand, yeah. That's what I look for in a groom. Yeah. Sense of humour, well-spoken, writes, writes a good hand. A good hand. Okay, yeah. I, I don't Not know Not so good means. with any of the other words, but if you wanted the word hand written, yeah. God. <laughs> That's right, he specialises in calligraphy with those letters. <laughs> or any and combination. Back in the day, you know, you could make a career of that. It was a, it was a simpler time. Yeah. Especially in the horse industry because that's what they measure their height in. Yes. <laughs> so that would come up a bit. Yep. How tall is your wife? Well, four hands. <laughs> Let that's me write it horse. out. That's a short horse. I like them dainty. <laughs> The Shetland married wife. to a pony. <laughs> Come on, mate. You keep telling us you're married to a horse. Are you married to a pony? To be honest. <laughs> Come on. And he was apparently very well liked by the family uh, that he worked for until he turned to crime. And there are different versions of what his actual crime was. One version has it he stole a basket, a firkin of butter, a 12 pound filch of bacon, Ooh. 30 pounds of sugar, and two of rice. The total oh, wow. value of which goods was five shillings. Can you convert that? Can you convert that all to firkins, please? Yeah. <laughs> Just not familiar Jeez, with there's much. a couple of words there that don't exist anymore that should. Firkins. What was the other one? Mm. Pounds. A firkin of butter and a sell a, a twelve pound filch of bacon. <laughs> filch. <laughs> yep. Beautiful a filch. word. A beautiful word. It is. It's it's on the it's on the borderline of not being beautiful, yeah. but it just stays just on the you safe side. You flip a vowel around it's there, a, and it you know it, it really turns a nasty fulch, corner. You know, not yeah, good, but yeah, exactly, Jess, exactly, and thank you. <laughs> uh, now, uh, so that's uh, and the and the recipients of all of this this stolen goods were apparently two nineteen year old girls, both single, of the town. Now that's one version. Okay, uh, and the other version is that he committed for forgery. So, okay, you know, oh. two slightly different stories, perhaps. Unless he forged the bacon. Yeah, uh, it was really ham. That's <laughs> <yeah>, right. <laughs> it wasn't a filch of bacon at all. <laughs> it was a firkin of ham. <laughs> um, now, one of those stories I got from the website of a cider company, and the other one I got from um, th- his official convict transfer for record. And I'll, okay. I'll leave it up to you to decide which was which and which is more plausible. <laughs> well, the cider company, obviously. Yeah. Obviously the cider company. Um, <laughs> now he, uh, this, this, uh, this uh, was in the era of convict transportation. Okay, so he was caught for this crime and uh, he was sentenced to the sand, standard term of seven to ten years. So... Uh, England uh, jails at the time were just filthy and uh, overcrowded, and also, handily enough, they had a wor- they had a need for workers in the new colony of Australia, mm. and so they started this campaign of transporting 
convicts, which started in 1788 with the First Fleet, um, which is, you know, famous in Australia. We had, you know, had the Bicentennial uh, in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> and is Australia Day... On the day of the arrival of the first fleet, or is it on the day of? Oh. Yeah, isn't it the first day the first fleet drove into Botany Bay? Backed they up. drove in. Yeah, they backed they it up. In. They drove. Am I doing back there? <laughs> Am I doing back there? <laughs> Plenty of room. Should have got me to do it, eh? Yeah. Should have got me to oh, do Jess, it. Oh, Jess, the best parker in the group. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good park. Oh I'll never god. forget that um, park oh in London. God. Oh my god! Oh, what it a could park. not have been. Be- it could like, not have been better. Millimetre. Yeah. Uh, it was like you've been driving big rigs your whole life. Oh, Couldn't believe it. There was not a Firkin in it. You absolutely nailed it. They call you they call you Firkin Birkins. <laughs> <laughs> so over over uh the next eighty years there would be one hundred and sixty thousand convicts transported in total to Australia. And this was all by boat, obviously. And the, these are voyages. The first, the voyage of the first fleet took 250 days to get from England to Australia. But he was transported not to Botany Bay, but to Van Diemen's Land in 1820, also now known as Tasmania. Uh, and Tasmania at this time had been undergoing invasion by British settlers for about 20 years. So... To put that into some context, before the colonisation of Australia, there were maybe around 15,000 Palawa people. That's the indigenous Tasmanians. Uh, And then they were subject to an extremely brutal armed genocide over the next century. And they're still trying to reassert their culture. Um, I would recommend, and I'm not, not in any way qualified to do justice to that, story because we are not taught anything about that in school, or at least I wasn't. Um, But I'd recommend that you listen to a podcast called Frontier War Stories by Bo Spiram, and he has an episode about the uh, Aboriginal resistance in Tasmania. And uh, maybe we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for sure. Put a bloody link to it, mate. Yeah, Uh, I I, I listened to that episode and he talks to uh, an academic and historian and uh, it's, it's really interesting and it taught me a huge amount that I had no idea about and I felt like a real idiot, but it was great to... Great to know. It's, I wonder how the kids are doing now. Like, it was so inadequate what we got taught about Australian history. Um, mm. Oh, mate. I wonder if it's changed much. The, I tell you, the, the main thing that I learned was that Captain James Cook was considered really good to his men. That's what I learned. <laughs> so that's Great. relevant. That seems yeah. pretty relevant, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Just um, a good guy. Real just good a real guy. hero. I, thought, I genuinely thought that until about two years ago. Yeah. What an idiot. Well, I yeah, mean, no, you same. thought that from same. a young age. It's what course yeah. you're going to keep believing it. I believed until recently that the bruises on bananas were the bits that were the, the best for you. <laughs> <laughs> I believed that well into adulthood. I was throwing away the rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, I looked it up and the first fleet arrived. At where it says on the 20th of January. So I don't know right. where the 26th comes Took from. Is that what the day that they first, they first hoisted a flag? Is that possibly something like that? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Well, no wonder it's such a proud day for us as Australians. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened that day. Yeah. Mm. God, we love it. Yeah. And we um, really love to get drunk and wear flags about it, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so Brady was sent to the Port Arthur prison initially. 
which international and this is a you know not an exactly jolly start to the episode, but people internationally might know about Port Arthur because uh, in later years it became a tourist attraction, and in 1996 uh, there was a lone gunman massacre there, which mm. killed 35 people, and that was what led to Australia basically having the gun laws that it does and banning all sorts of different guns. And yeah. um, I've got to say, it's worked out fine. Yeah. I haven't yeah. needed a gun recently. That's true. And that was a conservative um, government in Australia who uh, brought that in at the time, which is maybe yeah, the right. only way it was going to happen somehow. You know what? Mm. <laughs> it's kind of true. Because, I, yeah. Because if they hadn't been in power, they would have fought it. Yeah, they would have played it for politics probably. Yeah, which is what opposition. Bloody minded. Uh, like maybe back then, it, I don't know. Am I being nostalgic when I think that oppositions didn't necessarily block everything back in the day? I think I am. It's probably always been like it is now, and politics has always been played. But there wasn't this noble time. I think that Gough Whitlam might disagree with you, Matt. Sorry. <laughs> I think Gough Whitlam might <laughs> yeah. take issue with you on that. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> don't don't remember any kind of conflict really at all. It was just sort of. Friendship and handshakes yeah. most of the time. It was basically and, one party back then. Mm, yeah, and, you know, they really meant party. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you're unlucky, you're sent to the island of Australia, right? And if you're really unlucky, you're sent from there to the island of Tasmania. And if you cause too much trouble there, they send you to a tiny island on the west coast in Macquarie Harbour called Sarah Island, right? And that's where, the, you know, d- during the, you know, Day, this is on the west coast. It's, today, even today, the west coast of Tasmania is incredibly isolated, right? right. It gets the, what is called the Roaring Forties winds, which are um, it has some of the freshest air in the world because there are just winds that have been accelerating the entire way across the Atlantic Ocean until they get to the coast of Australia from South America. And it's uh, extremely wild and extremely mountainous and rugged and very, very wet. And uh, that's where we get hue and pine wood from. Does anyone know about hue and pine? You guys know about hue and pine? I've heard, I've heard I've, of I've the hue and valley. It. Is that something? Hue and valley? Yeah, it's very relevant. Yes, that's where you get some of the hue and Makes pine. Makes sense. That adds up <laughs> for sure. <laughs> is this the kind of area you would have done a trek on as a teenager for some sort of a charity or something? That feels like something Absolutely you would have done. Absolutely right. This is, this, is, this is right up that particular um, national park. Yes. Um, that that sort of bit, there's about a third of Tasmania is taken up with the Southwest National Park, which is one you know uh, one of the biggest uh, untouched rainforests in Australia, and uh, yeah, hue and pine grows there. It grows incredibly slowly, right? Thousands and thousands of year old trees, uh, but it also has a natural oil in it, which makes means that that, that it never rots, wow. and it makes it the perfect material for making ships. So they were oh, wow. getting this uh, this timber, and it smells really nice as well. So you get a mm. real nice smelling boat, which I think would be very relevant after several months. Yeah. yeah, and it only takes <laughs> thousands of just... years to grow it. That's great. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so they ba- they decimated it. Really, can't wait uh, to lop those down. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll plant a seed. I'll be right. It's now illegal to cut down any. Hue and pine trees in Tasmania, but they still find old logs because it just never rots. They find old logs like buried in the dirt, amazing, and they dig them up and wow. they use they use that. So it could have been just lying there for hundreds of years, and it's still it's still good. 
Wow. Never goes off. That's fascinating. Mm. Love that mini wood report in the middle of this report. Yeah, wow. This is the whole reason for this report so that I would get to talk about Hugh and Pod. You've spotted me there. But you also mentioned a place called Sarah Island. Sarah hmm. Island, yes. Thank you for getting me back on track. So but it's Sarah not a very Island, this is an interesting where... name for an island, mm. is it? But does she ever rot? Uh, well, I think there are a few um, few rotters there. Sorry, that's terrible. <laughs> that's such a bad. That's, <laughs> yuck. Yeah. Um, it look. It's quite a you know. It's quite a nice bland name for uh, an island. But this had a reputation as basically the worst penal colony in Australia. It was wow. the, you know it was you did not want to end up there. If you kept trying to escape from Port Arthur, they sent you there, right? And Brady was trying to escape, so they sent him there. But if you tried to escape from Sarah Island, which wasn't easy because it was in the middle of this harbour, um, you know, and surrounded by this massive. Uh, forest that you wouldn't be able to get through even if you got to shore. If you tried to escape from Sarah Island, you were, and I quote, the irreclaimables were imprisoned on a strip of rock called Pilot Island, to which they were forced to wade through the surf, carrying provisions upon their backs to see them through their turn. And even the cells carved out for them in the rocks, they were not protected from the drenching spray when the gales blew in from the ocean. Right? So... He was on an island, off an island, off an island, <laughs> off an island. We wow. just, you know, if they could have found a smaller island to send you to, off Pilot Island, I'm sure they would have. <laughs> Babushka, Babushka Islands. So they, Babushka Islands, Babushka prisons. Are they, what, why is he, he doesn't sound like he's the worst of the worst, though. Sounds like he's a likeable guy. He was a likeable guy. And they, when he got to Sarah Island, they were like, this guy. He's such a hard worker. I think he's a good bloke. But what he was really always busy doing was trying to work out a way to escape. Right. Mm. So he was he was very motivated to do that. But like you know, people liked him. But uh, yes, he 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 wanted out. He did do like I forget that he did a pretty bad crime of maybe stealing a small picnic basket yeah. <laughs> or forging. I think the word it was hand. a Crisco hamper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a Crisco hamper that he uh, gave to two 19-year-olds. That's right. What a monster. The ladies. So it's, it's, it's said to be impossible to escape from this island and it was from this penitentiary that Brady and 14 others made their escape on the 7th of June, <laughs> 1824. <laughs> so the group stole a boat, right? They, they basically, um, as the soldiers were coming ashore in a boat, I think the ships, the, the prison surgeon and some soldiers were coming ashore on a little boat and they basically charged the boat, pushed the soldiers into the water, mm. okay, so that their wet. muskets got wet, <laughs> I guess, their guns got wet. They got wet as well. Mm. And, uh, and then they kidnapped the surgeon. So some of them kidnapped the surgeon and they were going to uh, flog him, give him, a, give him a damn good flogging. And uh, but he'd been really kind to Brady on the island, so Brady stopped them from basically beating up this surgeon. And this is apparently when he became the leader of the gang. Flog him is a, it's an interesting phrase because I thought you meant sell him. You flog him. Yeah. Off. <laughs> but you meant yeah, flog him that, as in hit him. No, no, no. I meant I meant they, they were going to sell him off and Brady said, no, 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 <laughs> he's been good to me. I'll keep him on as my private surgeon. <laughs> no, uh, they were going to beat him. Yeah, right. And then they didn't. And this is back in the days where you're talking about soldiers, they're like, you know, they're like little toy soldiers with big, tall hats and bright red jackets and they're kind of ridiculous. They feel like they'd be easy to push over. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, very top-heavy because of those those tall hats. I don't know what, what these ones would have looked like. I think they would have been pretty rough themselves as well. Like it's it's really hard to get to. They, they can't grow their own provisions or anything there. It all has to be resupplied wow. by sea to boats to this prison. So every, like, you know, and it's all just guys out there. Everyone would be filthy. Everyone would stink. It would just be, I think, it just horrible. Mm. Just horrible. Um, so I also read that he, Brady's size and strength made him the undisputed leader of the gang. Oh, wow. And I wanted to know how tall he was. <laughs> but they have this on his transportation record. Would you like to guess how tall Brady was? Oh, okay. He's so intimidatingly tall. You, I'd guess like, what, six foot five or something? <laughs> yeah, close. I think back then... Uh, they were shorter back then, so I'm going to say five foot six. Really close. Five foot five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bigger than that guy. I would have been the top dog on this ship. You you would? Oh, good Lord, he's a giant. <laughs> Sit Do down, boys. <laughs> I, and, then, and then I was like, how, how tall must everyone else have been? I looked it up and the average height in of men born in 1800 in England was five foot five. Yeah, right. So he had a half an inch on them, maybe. <laughs> wow. Uh, but oh wow. Maybe he was standing on a box or something like that. He was wearing those lift shoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> platform shoes. What do you call that? A Caribbean heel or something? What do, what do they call that? A Cuban, Cuban heel? heel. It was the Cuban heels. <laughs> yeah. Though I do like Caribbean heel. That's that's exotic. Yeah, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's, it's good. They've got steel drums inside of them. <laughs> Uh, if you want, if you want to know a bit more about about him, uh, apparently he had some tattoos. He had a man and woman on his left arm, and he had uh, the letters TB and a fish on his right arm. Oh! So this was all on his um, transportation record, which I, you know, and before they had uh, fingerprints, right? I, I, I was interested in that. I was like, oh wow! Like before you used fingerprints, ha- having tattoos would be have been like the only way to identify someone because you didn't have photography or anything like that. Like. Wow. And if I was yeah. a criminal, I would just simply not get tattoos yeah. or possibly draw them on yes. with a pen. And change yeah. them all the time. Or get some of those ones that you put on with a sponge at yeah. the show. And yeah. then they were around. Two weeks later, they Photography gone. hadn't been invented, but sponge on tattoos had. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, sponge on tattoo technology was incredibly advanced and it was one of the main forms of storytelling. <laughs> They didn't. They didn't have printing, but they had sponge on tattoos. Yeah. So people were like, "See amazing. this? I got this last week at the Royal Melbourne Show." Wow! Mm. Mm. Gather <laughs> round, everyone. <laughs> it's a duck on a skateboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, fingerprints weren't used until 1910 in a court case. Yeah. Wow! In America, yeah. 1910. Wow. That's late, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Late. Later than I would have thought. Yeah. I would have thought Sherlock Holmes would be onto that. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you wanted to escape from Macquarie Island, the way to do it was by boat, okay, uh, Macquarie, from Macquarie Harbour. Um, otherwise, you had to go inland from the west coast through the mountains and the forest, and that's really, really rough trot. Uh, that is what Alexander Pierce attempted to do twice. Have you ever heard of Alexander Pierce? No. Yeah, I know the name. No. Yeah? He, you, you may also know him as the cannibal convict. No. <laughs> no? He escaped from uh, Sarah Island twice and both times 
ate his fellow escapees to stay alive. (laughs) The first time they recaptured him and he said he'd eaten them and they assumed he was just saying that to cover for them having escaped into the bush. (laughs) But the second time they caught him, he still had their bits of their bones and fingers and stuff on him and he said he'd eaten them and that time they believed him. Oh, I mean, I mean, apparently, what, what's wrong with our primary schools? They're not teaching us about the cannibal convict. This is a real what else gap, are they holding back from us? We learn about. Don't worry, we learn about the cannibal convict in Tasmania okay. pretty early on. <laughs> <laughs> fair, they say, don't tell enough. the mainlanders, but <laughs> we eat people down here. Um, apparently, the second time they caught him, not only did he have um, bones and flesh of his fellow escapees on him he still also had some of the food that they'd taken. <laughs> so he'd started eating them pre, <laughs> pre-running out yeah. of food. Yeah, so- yeah, it wasn't a desperation thing for him, was it? It's it was starting a- to look a bit sus. He got a taste yeah. for it. Yeah. I'm saving that chicken for later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> some of the food's a perishable cannibal. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to no, save no, that no. yogurt for later. I'm going to eat this man here first. <laughs> got 80 cans of soup and baked beans. I'm not a big fan of soup. <laughs> Don't have a can opener. What are you going to do? <laughs> um, but Brady, uh, you know, I reckon there's a whole episode, by the way, in Alexander Pierce. I know I've spoiled it for you, but there's a, there's a, lot, there's a lot there. Great. Good tip. Yucky bloke. Don't know if you do a lot of yucky stuff. I, I didn't actually start with this topic. I started with a different topic, which was about a, 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 a mysterious unsolved murder in Dalesford. Um, that I'd read about in a book while I was in an Airbnb, just at, like on the last page of a book, it mentioned this thing and I got a bit obsessed with researching. I thought, this is so fascinating. And the 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 lead doctor who investigated it was called Dr. Doolittle. No. And I thought, well, that's funny. That's that's already, <laughs> that's gold. That's half an hour of laughs right there. The more I read about it, the more I was like, oh, no, this is just a murder, a woman who was very horribly murdered and it started mm. to make me depressed. So anyway, let's just laugh about the idea of a doctor <laughs> who can speak to animals doing the post-mortem <laughs> and move on, not have to go into any of the other details. <laughs> so, but anyway, they, 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 they escape by boat and uh, nine days later they land in the Derwent, which is the site of Hobart Town, which is the capital of the, you know, the Tasmanian colony. And at once they set about an organised plan of bushranging Brady laid down the rules for his gang. They must neither injure the defenceless nor molest females, but could kill traitors, revenge injuries, and take away anything that was likely to prove useful to them. Okay. okay. Uh, I'm, I'm basing a lot of this on a book, by the way, from 1900 called The History of Australian Bushranging, Volume 1 by Charles White. Uh, and you can find that on, that's on like Project Gutenberg. Um, but uh, that has lots of detail about all of these early bush rangers. He does sound like a gentleman so far. Yeah, he's you know he's laying down some rules. And they seem reasonable, and, the, and they would normally um, those sort of rules. Commonly, bush rangers wouldn't be following that that kind of gentlemanly code. That's 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 pretty unlikely. Like you know you you've you've already you've already been transported. You're feeling probably pretty hard done by by the community, and you know some of them they weren't all petty criminals. Some of them were much rougher and more unpleasant. And if they weren't rough and unpleasant, they probably were pretty rough and unpleasant after they'd spent, you know, all this time in, in the prison. There wasn't much focus on reform right. yeah, uh, in the prison system at the time. Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like if someone keeps trying to escape, maybe sit down and have a chat to them. 
Yeah. You know? What are you really running from? Yeah, you know? what's up? Is it the prison? What was your dad or like? It... You know? Yeah. <laughs> can we can we Just provide talk. some activities here for you to make you stay yeah. more palatable? Mm. What kind of games you like? You like card games? I got you a pack of cards. There's a sign up sheet for the table tennis. I haven't seen <laughs> you around there once. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't come to happy hour. You know, it's a great time to socialize. You gotta put in. Goodness. This is the time. <laughs> This is the time at which the governor. No, I want you to have fun, guys. I'm, no, I'm, no, no. I'm not gonna. But you're right to to press on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the time the governor, the governor of uh, the Tasmanian colony uh, at this time was this guy called George Arthur, Sir George Arthur. He seems he's a very unpleasant man. Um, mm. Look up his career. He's he's involved in a lot of really bad stuff in a lot of different British colonies. Um, went and he was a real, real hard ass. Very interested in seeing convicts beaten. Very interested in seeing convicts hung. So at the point, at the time that he, he had arrived in uh, 1820, no convicts had ever been hung. When you say hung, you mean hanged, right? Or are you talking about having Ooh. a big chop? Is that what you mean? <laughs> very interested in seeing these He was very into convicts. penile augmentation for the... <laughs> penile colonies. <yeah. laughs> Is that where that comes from? He had basically, he'd misread uh, <laughs> the letter on the posting. He thought... This is hardly a penile colony at all. <laughs> is it hanged? Hanged. He liked seeing convicts hanged. Oh, I think this is, that's and, one uh, of those by the ones time he'd left... that my dad would always correct me on as a kid. Yeah. Mm. I think hanged is correct, but it feels yeah, wrong. Yeah. So it you say whatever's comfortable, weird. I reckon. It's also, yeah. now, now that I'm saying out loud, weird that my dad had to correct me on that often enough <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Once a week. <laughs> But by the time he left eight years later, 256 convicts had been hanged. So he was pretty pretty keen on that. Yeah. Um, and about a week after their escape, Governor Arthur issued the following proclamation. The lieutenant governor feels it necessary to announce that the party of prisoners who escaped from Macquarie Harbour have again passed into the interior. His honour begs the most earnest manner in the most earnest manner to call upon all settlers in their respective districts to enter into increased zeal and determination into measures for the apprehension the, the apprehension of these robbers to the to the most common understanding not laboring under the miserable depression of personal danger means will be presented after a robbery has been committed of tracing the movements of the depredators and so on. He goes on and on and on and on and on, this message that he's sending out, basically saying, these guys are real bad and we want to get them and there will be a reward for you. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got this message out. I guess he sent out horse riders to different groups or something like that. <laughs> at, at this <laughs> time, that, they're about... I have to recall a seven-minute message. <laughs> <off my heart>. <sighs> <sighs> In summary, we don't mind if you kill them. <laughs> yeah, they go into about a month of rehearsals beforehand. Um, <laughs> there was an understudies just in case routine. people got sick. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so pretty sh- uh, so, but pretty soon the Brady Gang uh, they steal some guns from a retired military officer, and uh, who man- but he did manage to capture some of them, and they were immediately uh, placed on trial and hanged. So Ooh. about four of them, I think, got caught and hanged straight away, uh, but the others got away. And the settlers were immediately very freaked out um, because their convict servants. So they. All, this is the other thing: the convicts aren't all in the prisons, right? Um, they're sent out to all different, um, all the different houses and uh, properties around Tasmania 
as basically, you know, servant labour. They'd be sent out with a few soldiers to keep an eye on them, but they're chained up and they're made to, you know, quarry rock and build buildings and that sort of thing. But they're not free and they definitely don't like being um, treated in this way. So mm. all the settlers are terrified that these uh, this gang is going to show up and all their convicts are going to turn against them and uh, and kill them. And indeed, this more or less happens. Whenever Brady shows up at a, a property, the convicts are desperate to join his gang. Um, and even those who didn't join them were still helping them by like passing on information, giving them supplies and that sort of thing. So wow. all the population of convicts are basically on their side. There's about 5,000 settlers and probably more convicts on the island uh, than there are settlers. Is it? So you were saying before, so I, are, I always sort of believed that idea that a lot of the convicts were um, in trouble for stealing a loaf of bread. That's sort of the stereotype. But you reckon it's a it's a mm. bigger mix than that? Some There are some violent criminals that were sent down as well? Yeah, it was this kind of, um, it was this mandatory thing where if you got a second sentence, so it's sort of like mandatory sentencing. If you were arrested and sentenced more than once, you were automatically transported. And I think in that it like scooped up people who'd just done one little thing and also, you know, or done two, two, two minor things, but also if you'd done much more unpleasant things. Yeah, it right. was the next step down from hanging right. basically. So if they didn't give you capital punishment, you'd get transportation. So if you'd murdered and, someone and then uh, a little while later forgotten to pay for some bread... Out you go. They'd let you go on the murder, but they'd say, now you don't do anything else again. You be on on. your best (laughs) behaviour. We will be watching you. And then you steal the bread and they say, we are really disappointed in you. (laughs) Yeah, and that's worse. That's worse to hear, isn't it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, just transport me for life. Just hang me. (laughs) Yeah, so you've got all these hardened prisoners around you all the time, right? And you don't want hardened prisoners. You want softened prisoners. You want soft. Give them some moisturiser, yeah. Exactly. Yes, beautiful, smooth prisoners. Um, And a lot of them knew Brady or his gang from Port Arthur. Uh, One example uh, is that they're out ranging in the bush, right, Uh, as they do, and they come across a guy that they know working on a farm and he says, oh, great, you know, uh, so he's a a convict, he's out, you know, working in the field or whatever. He says, great, I'm just about to take dinner to the soldiers and if you come in after me, they'll all be sitting down with their guns in the corner and then you can just hold them up and rob them and uh, I'll, I'll run away with you. And they absolutely do exactly that. <laughs> and uh, tie up all the soldiers, steal everything that's not nailed down and uh, this guy runs away and joins their gang. Apparently the word is that two weeks later some settlers caught up with that guy when he was asleep under, under a tree and just shot him in the head before he... Um, uh, had a chance to run away or anything wow. like that. So the consequences are pretty dire if you caught mm. as well. But everyone's so desperate to get away. It doesn't seem like it, you know, it seems worth the risk to them. But the gang is getting braver and braver, right? They're robbing, they're, uh, they, they're getting uh, all, the, all the stuff that they need, robbing, stealing food, stealing clothes, that sort of thing. And they get braver and braver. And uh, after a while, um, uh, Brady gets to be a bit of a larrikin bit of an Aussie larrikin, and Governor Arthur puts out a notice saying, it has occasioned the Lieutenant Governor much concern that the continued outrages of the two prisoners, McCabe and Brady, so McCabe is another member of the gang, 
uh, have led to the death of another settler. I'll tell you about that a bit more later on. Uh, his honour has directed the reward of £25 shall be given for the apprehension of either of these men and that any prisoner giving such information may directly lead to their, uh, that will directly lead to their apprehension may receive a ticket of leave. So ticket of leave basically means that you're pardoned uh, immediately from imprisonment and you can go and become a free settler. Wow. Get your own farm, you know, live your life. Um, and three days after uh, he... he Put that out there. Uh, this note, uh, uh, this uh, after this notice had been circulated, Brady nails his own notice to the door of the Royal Oak Inn at Crossmarch, dated Mountain Home, April twentieth, eighteen twenty-five. It has caused Matthew Brady much concern that such a person, known as Sir George Arthur, is at large. Twenty <laughs> gallons of rum will be given to any person that will deliver his person unto me. I also caution John Priest that I will hang him for his ill treatment of Mrs. Blackwell at Newtown. M. Brady. So uh, the governor puts out a notice for a reward for the capture of Brady and Brady puts out his own reward for the capture of the governor. (laughs) Bit of of a classic, you know. They said he had a good hand. (laughs) Yeah, oh, beautifully written. Beautiful. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And so you noticed in there he also was threatening some guy Mm. who uh, had uh, mistreated a woman in there. Uh, the other thing about Brady was, was that, uh, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the context of the time, not a total creep to women, right? He, he seemed pretty good. Um, uh, here's another quote. Yet it cannot be said that the gang was brutal or even savage, and they were most scrupulous in their treatment of females. As even the Hobart Town Papers acknowledged, one man who had asked a servant girl for a kiss... Uh, one gang member who had asked a servant girl for a kiss was at once knocked down by their leader. And one of the plundered settlers afterwards said that Brady's first word was, are there any ladies in the house? And receiving a reply in the affirmative, he said, then tell them to get up and let them dress themselves and go into one room and no one shall molest them. So uh, he's, you know, he's keeping them uh, looking after women. Yeah. Um, Which is good. Uh, and uh, so McCabe, who was the other prisoner who was mentioned in the notice from the governor, he uh, apparently offered violence to a woman. So Brady shot him through the hand, uh, disarmed and thrashed him and kicked him out of the gang. And McCabe then began robbing uh, by himself and he was very quickly caught and hanged. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Of course, we have to ask who started that story. Uh, so it could <laughs> probably not McCabe. Probably yeah. didn't put that story about. So it was either the lady, in which case we could maybe believe it, or it was probably Brady himself. So we don't know. Like, yeah, they're probably all self-mythologizing. Yeah. To a certain extent, these guys. And some of these stories might be totally made up. But it's nice to it's nice to think that at least someone in history wasn't a creep to women, isn't it? Isn't it nice to just imagine <laughs> but just even, one? Even the fact that he thought, <laughs> even if he had made it up, even the fact that he thought that it was a positive thing to make up is a positive <laughs> in itself. Yeah. yeah. There you go. That's progress. That's how he wants to be remembered, as not a creep to women. The fact that he was capable of imagining <laughs> not being a creep. Yeah. Is, Very is promising. Such a huge step. <laughs> <laughs> this show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate 
your last biscuit. I was that saving been, them for my wedding. That has been stressing. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. it was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also... Not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Um, Brady is most famous perhaps for his capture of Sorrel Jail and the release of the prisoners. So he and seven of his men attacked a house at Pittwater. And it's great reading all of the names of all these places that were just places I would just drive past. I've been through Sorrel. Sorrel. I've been there. Yeah. (laughs) They got two good op shops and they got an ice cream shop. We used to get ice cream there all the time. (laughs) So good. Yeah. Um, uh, So they attacked a house at Pittwater, uh, imprisoning the owner and his servants and they decided to stay the night, right? So they're that confident. And then it was a bit wet the next day, so they decided to stay the next day as well. (laughs) And then in the evening, two visitors arrived, Mr. Walter Bethune and Captain Bunster. (laughs) What? And Brady Rose, Captain Bunster, Captain Bunster. Also, Walter Bethune is amazing. Incredible. Walter Bethune and Captain Bunster. And Brady rose to the occasion. Uh, He called a groom to take their horses to marry them, obviously, Uh, and... Uh, conducted the men inside, assured them that was there was nothing to fear, and ordered dinner for them. So he's now got the servants at the house. Just get over eats. That's good. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Do you reckon they both had to order from the same place, or he was like, "You can go from the pizza place, and you can yeah, get you chicken. get whatever you want. I'll do a couple of different orders if you like. No worries." Like it was just nothing to him. Like, right? yeah, he was just yeah, like, yeah. Two delivery know. fees. I don't care. I don't care. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever you like. Got half and half pizza. That's an extra dollar fifty. Doesn't mean anything <laughs> to me. No problem. Because I it. want you to be oh, happy. Andy, you've just made me instantly yeah. hungry for pizza. Half and I don't know. You didn't even describe any <laughs> toppings at all. But just the idea of half mm. and half pizza made my mouth water. A pizza that has <laughs> two halves. You have my attention. <laughs> that's a whole pizza. Two halves. Oh, that's a whoa. whole pizza. <laughs> Um, so they're all having dinner, right? And and he's just chatting, 
entertaining people around the dinner table and eventually he gets bored, right? The conversation apparently flagged. So Brady decides that to enliven things, he's going to go and capture the Sorel jail. So he tells his guests, and now we're going to go and capture the Sorel jail. So he takes all the 18 prisoners with him to the town at about 10 o'clock at night and they reach the jail most opportunely as the soldiers had been out in the rain all day looking for the bushrangers and they had, were just cleaning their guns. So there was a rush, <laughs> the wet guns were easily seized, the inmates of the jail the were freed, guns. the soldiers and the pit water contingent took their place in the cells and then they propped up a log against the door <laughs> and dressed it up to look like a soldier and headed off into the hill. They dressed oh up God. a log. <laughs> dressed up a and log to look like a soldier. And well, you know, with that long hat, you know, it's a very <laughs> And the log, log was hewn pine, so <laughs> it was never going to drop its guard. So it's... That's right. It's still sitting there to this day. Nobody's been in. Nobody's looked into this. Um, and it smells great as well. That would be the, that oh would be the real... That guard that smells real. amazing. Yeah, that's the giveaway because yeah. everyone else smells like absolute <laughs> shit. Now, uh, obviously, this gets the attention of the governor and he doubles the reward and basically it's now on for young and old, okay? Anyone in the colony can enrol themselves as a special constable now, apparently, whatever that means. Cool. You can basically declare yourself a cop. Do you reckon they send you like a little sheriff's badge? Why else they send you a badge? Mm. Maybe a hat? Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe a sticker. Mm. Maybe it's just an online e-certificate or something like that. All right. Um, And... uh, there are now, and, and he's got soldiers hiding out in uh, wagons, and they're basically driving them along through like very vulnerable bush tracks, and hoping that they'll get attacked by Brady, um, and they'll be able to catch him. Oh. But Brady also Brady has informants everywhere, so he knows, and he's always one step ahead. Uh, there is a story that eventually he does get caught after he stays overnight at a friend's cabin, right? And the friend basically betrays him. <gasps> um, yes. Uh, but the story is that the prison, uh, the, the soldiers come, the guy, friend goes and gets some soldiers, the soldiers come and they get him while he's asleep and they tie him up and then they go to sleep and when they wake up in the morning, he's used the, the fire in the cabin to burn through his ropes and there's just burned ropes there Whoa. and he's escaped. He burned through the ropes. People never think of that. I was trying to cut him. Well, they did. It seems it seems crazy, right? Because you got the you got the ropes there on your hands or whatever. You probably got to get your hands down into yeah, the fire. That's full on. Better than being hung or hanged. It is better than that. Nothing yeah. wrong with being hung, yeah. Andy. Um, <laughs> nothing better than being hung. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I don't know, Jess. Are you right? I don't know. No, I'm truly unsure. I'm not sure either. Um, to be honest. So Brady. <laughs> The guy who betrayed Brady, uh, he eventually catches up with him, right, uh, and he kills him. And that is the only guy, that is the only death that is actually known to be attributed to Brady. He kills um, his friend who betrayed him. Some yes. friend. Yeah. And that was part, the, but remember, that was one of the rules yes. that he laid down at the start. He was allowed to avenge traitors. So he's just sticking by the rules. Apparently, uh, the guy, the guy, he catches, he comes and finds this guy in some other cabin, right? And he sits down and has a cup of tea with him, right? Just looking at him across the table and holding his gun, and the guy knows exactly what's going to happen. And then he says, "All right, I'll give you a head start. You can run towards that tree." And as soon as he turns around, he just 
Bang. Shoots him in the head. Mm. Uh, That's kind of a nice yeah. way of doing it, I guess. I guess. Gave him that yeah. hope. But also did it quicker mm. than it seemed, so it wasn't like he didn't have to panic for ages. Guy killed, did he <laughs> agree to this rule? <laughs> you know, Ignorance of the rules is no defence. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just, oh, no. I, yeah, I said I'm allowed to kill people who I want to, so it's fine. I think that should hold up more in, in the court of law. Yep. In the court, in the court of law. Everyone's yes. got their. You've got your rules, judge. Well, I've got my rules too, and they differ mm. from yours slightly. So let's agree to disagree. I've got a hammer at yeah. home. You know, we're all we're the same, basically. <laughs> I de- I declare you guilty, <laughs> judge. Of I mean, it is ridiculous when you think crime. about it, isn't it? Who are you to judge mm. me, judge? Mm. The crime of double standards. Yeah. So eventually, he decides he's sick of Tasmania and he wants to go to the mainland which is a common problem that Tasmania still has, (laughs) holding on to its young, bright people. Mm. Um, I see a lot of myself in Brady. Yeah. In this regard. You you outgrew Tasmania is how you felt. Mm. That's right. After killing a man. I was on the run for a murder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So they steal a boat to sail to Tasmania, but it's too rough to get across uh, to, to the mainland, but it's too rough to get across Bass Strait. This is the thing I've also done is sail across Bass Strait and I can guarantee it is very rough. Mm. It's one of the the Sydney to Hobart yacht race is the roughest roughest ocean race in the world. I didn't no. know that. I didn't know it was the the roughest. Wow. Well, it might not be true. It yeah. is now. I'd love to know the scale you use for roughness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the uh the grave graves Roberts scale of roughness. Oh, wow. Mm. From from as smooth as a do-go-on introduction <laughs> all the way up uh, to as rough as this analogy. Oh, wow. <laughs> and wow. you're not the only one who's sailed uh, across the Bass Strait. I caught the Spirit of Tasmania there and back uh, a decade or so yes. ago. So, Spirit yeah. of Taz. Did you throw Beautiful. up? Oh, yeah. Uh, we, were, we were sitting in the bar. I re- we were watching, but I had my video camera there back in the old days. We have a camcorder. And um, mm. I was filming us, we were just drinking in the bar. And it, like watching it back a few weeks later, it, were, it was half an hour or so. And I'm like, how deep into this trip are we? And then the camera pans across and we're still sitting docked in, <laughs> in the, at Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the open ocean. Smell that sea breeze. But, yeah, so he turns back, right, and I think he's getting a bit, at this point, he's, he starts to get a little bit reckless. So he sends word to the commandant at Launceston, Launceston being the town in the north of Tasmania, with the bushrangers' compliments, he sends them word that he proposes to rob Mr Dry's house, which is about a mile out of Launceston, and attack the Launceston jail on the same night. And so the story is that the soldiers that, uh, that got this message basically thought it was a joke. Um, yeah, right. But it wasn't a joke. So he attacks Mr. Dry's house, okay, and the gang robs the place while apparently Brady entertained the ladies in the parlour with amusing stories and even a sentimental song to his own accompaniment on the piano. Uh, and then a, a servant escapes and notifies the soldiers in town. So they send a posse from the jail out to Mr. Dry's house. And meanwhile, while they're gone, the other half of Brady's gang attacks the jail. And uh, they get to Dry's house and there's a bit of a shootout, and, uh, but the whole gang gets away. Oh, wow. 
Yes, but they they didn't succeed in breaking anyone out of the jail this time. But now he's just he's sort of just taking the piss at this point. Yeah. Um, and the governor now is really, really getting angry, right? And he ups the reward uh, to 300 gu- guineas or 300 acres of land free of rent and uh, was offered up for the capture while the offer of a free pardon and free passage to England was made to any prisoner who captured them. And um, a wow. guinea, uh, I had to look up what that is, but it was a gold coin. Ooh. Okay. The return passage to England would have been an enormous incentive yeah. for convicts because most of them never made it home. Even if yeah. they were released, um, and a lot of them were after seven to ten year sentences, um, only a tiny, tiny fraction, only a handful of them ever made it back to England because they just couldn't afford it, mm. you know, and it was just such a huge journey. So being sent back there would have been a big incentive. And the governor him- himself took to the field in search. And now even people who were supportive before of Brady were starting to to turn on him just because the incentive is just so great. Um, and uh, it gets so crazy that... Uh, the settlers uh, and the settlers are so worried that the other prisoners will break out of the prison and join Brady's gang that they petition the governor to just hang everyone in the Jesus. prison. Whoa! Right. Yeah, and uh, they they don't do that, but they do get a bit um, hanging crazy. And in one like one court session, thirty seven prisoners are sentenced to be oh. hanged just in one day. So they're really going nuts. Wow. Uh, yes, but Brady is not slowing down and he's just doing raids pretty much every day, burning down rich people's houses and destroying their crops if they cross him. And he's got a bit of an aesthetic now. He's got these two white stallions that he stole from Mr. Dry's house <laughs> and he's got the hat of the um, the corporal uh, that they shot off when they were having the shootout at Mr. Dry's house. So he wears that and he's always he always keeps himself well-dressed. So he would have been one of the best-dressed people uh, in the colony, riding around on his white horse with the with Colonel Balfour's hat. Whoa! Mm. I'm now ima- I'm now imagining Napoleon. Yeah, yeah. And he sounds like he was a similar yeah. height as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and fully, I think that is the thing about not trying to be hidden at all anymore either. Like he, a white mm. horse is so distinctive. So yep. he's yeah getting very confident. Yep. Exactly. Uh, when the bu- uh, here's, a, here's another anecdote. When the bushrangers were going down the Tamar, that's the river in the north of Tasmania, they captured Captain White of the Duke of York in his boat and Captain Smith, late of the Brutus, who was with him. Captain Smith was mistaken for Colonel Balfour. They thought it was Cal- Colonel Balfour and they knocked him down, but discovering their mistake, they apologised. Uh, they then made Captain White go down upon his knees and were going to shoot him, but Captain Smith interfered and saved his life on representing to them the misery that it would inflict on his children. During the night, Captain Smith and White were allowed to depart and they made the best of their uh, escape all the way to Launceston. So they're not, you know, they're, they're not totally heartless still. Hmm. But more and more people are turning against him and some soldiers managed to separate Brady from the gang and he's betrayed by an ex-convict who wants the pardon and he gets um, in the, in, and there's another shootout and Brady gets shot in the ankle. Uh, as he's trying to escape, okay? And, but he does get away. But now things are pretty bad for him because he's on his own. And That's where the yeah. term uh, Brady's ankle comes from, isn't it? 
That well-known yeah. term, Brady's ankle. My fatal flaw, my Brady's ankle. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was a type of um, a type of pastry, a Brady's ankle. Yeah. Just grab us a, ba- a Brady's ankle, thanks. Yeah, and a um, chalky milk. Yeah, and a chalky milk. Yeah, a nippies. <laughs> yeah, nippies. You said Balfour as well. That I know the name Balfour is a pie brand. Balfour's pies. I wonder if that's named in honor of that guy you just mentioned. Colonel <laughs> Balfour. Probably. I assume so. Yes. You familiar with their work, Dave? Balfour's pies. I don't know if I know. I don't know if I've had a Balfour. Is that a Tasmanian pie? Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> You're about to get a name that you will recognise, though. Because uh, Brady's still on the run by himself in the Western Tiers, right? A very rough, isolated part of Tasmania. Mm-hmm. And that's when a bloke called John Batman, John Batman, decides mm-hmm. he is going to try and catch him. Right. Okay, so this is Batman, the same Batman who went on to found Melbourne mm-hmm. and is, as far as I can tell, one of the worst mm. assholes in the history of Australia. <laughs> oh, and it's only wow. starting to come yeah, to light, bad. isn't it? Because there's a lot of things in Melbourne named after him and people are like, we shouldn't have these things. Yep. It's a fun name for sure, but he was an awful now, person. Oh, it's, it's such, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a very fun name and I was so excited when I was like, oh, he's being hunted down by Batman, Batman. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is just like that um, cartoon series, Bat- Batman or Batman. <laughs> but... <laughs> But then uh, as, as I remembered anything about Batman and then I, uh, the more I went on to read about him, the more uh, unpleasant he seemed. Oh. Um, so he was heavily involved in the genocide of the Palawa people in Tasmania. Uh, and although, uh, you know, and, this is, uh, and, and like he seems really bad now, you, the more you read about him, all the stuff he did. But, but then listening to the Frontier Wars podcast, there's another narrative going on, which is it's really interesting because they, a lot of historians paint the battles between indigenous people uh, and uh, and you know the settlers as being just between isolated settlers or individuals, uh, your families and the indigenous people. But actually, there's evidence, quite suppressed evidence and quite hidden evidence that actually soldiers were much more involved than a lot of our stories tell us. Right. And and it's because, like, it was actually a war. It was just an undeclared war. And they didn't, uh, the the people out here, the governors and that sort of thing, didn't want the, the British back home to know that they were having this war. And so they didn't keep records of a lot of stuff. And it was presented as this, you know, oh, there's isolated battles between, you know, uh, free settlers and Indigenous tribes. But Actually, it was a it was a campaign involving soldiers, um, in a way that I didn't even realize. But that being said, um, Batman wasn't a soldier. He was. <laughs> here's, this, here's a quote from his neighbor, right? His neighbor was John Glover, who was a Tasmanian painter. Did some very nice paintings. He says, Batman was the a thief, a liar, a rogue, and a cheat and a murderer of blacks and the vilest man I have ever known. Whoa. Um, so that's who, that's who founded Melbourne, everyone. <laughs> he, he originally called it Batmania. What? Um, so he could have been named after Which him. Which makes him sound like a, an absolute maniac. Just name it after yeah. himself. Batmania. Yeah. I read some reports that described him. He was, he was like, he was good in the bush, I think. Like he was, you know, capable in the bush of surviving in the bush. Um, 
but he was very vain and jealous and angry and, yeah, extremely, extremely violent. Um, but he's, he's, now look, he's now chasing Brady. Um, and one day he espied a man of dejected... Did you say Spider-Man? Spider-Man. <laughs> Batman and Spider-Man. <laughs> CC and Marvel coming together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a crossover episode and uh, cost a lot of money to get the rights. Um, uh, he is, he espied espied. I'm quoting ancient old English. He espied a man. <laughs> he espied a man uh, of dejected, careworn aspect, slowly limping along through the bush with the aid of a cut sapling and evidently in great pain. Suddenly, the man ca- caught sight of Batman and at once. The stick was thrown aside and his gun was on his shoulder. With a finger on the trigger, Brady called out, are you a soldier, officer? For soldiers were his abhorrence and Batman was wearing a frock coat and a foraging cap. I'm no soldier, Brady, was the reply. I'm John Batman. Surrender. There is no chance for you. For a moment or two, Brady uh, communed with himself and then said, you are right, Batman. My time has come. I will yield to you because you are a brave man. So... This is the story that we have from Batman, right? That he... You are the biggest man I have ever met. Yes. <laughs> I will yield to only God, you're you, pretty. for my respect for you is so large and you are so I'll well hung. I'll only be hanged by a man so well hung. <laughs> um, if you want to feel a bit better about Batman, he died, I think, one of the most horrible deaths Fantastic. I've ever read about. Ooh. Oh, good. Which is that he had syphilis and basically his face rotted off. Yeah. So... Yes. Yeah, it's real. It's I, real I, grim. Is that why he put on the mask? <laughs> at, at the age of yeah, thirty-eight. Right. Ah. So, yeah, he he came to Melbourne. He became quite rich, but um, he uh, you know, and he and he married. But then uh, his nose fell off, and his wife left him, and he uh, he died. Um, really, really unpleasant death. Um, so Brady's been captured, and here's a quote from uh a newspaper article that was published several years later. It was natural that his capture should be received with the demonstrations of joy by the populace. Yet, strange to say, hundreds of persons, including ladies, openly expressed sympathy with him, some of the latter freely shedding tears at the, at the recital of the sufferings of the poor man whose chivalrous treatment of all females was one of the distinguishing characteristics of his career in the bush. So they petition the governor, they, they, they try and get the governor to let him off, but he is sentenced to death. And here's another quote. His cell was besieged with visitors and his table was loaded with presents, baskets of fruit, bouquets of flowers and dishes of confectionery prepared by his fair admirers were tendered in abundance to the jailer for his distinguished captive. The the last moment came. The dramatic scene was uh, was maintained to its close. Pinioned, he stood on the scaffold before the a dense mass of spectators who cheered him for his courage and grieved bitterly for his fate. He received the consolations of the Roman Catholic fate. He bade the, the famili- a familiar adieu to the gentlemen about him and he died more like a patient, a patient martyr than a felon murderer. So apparently uh, he was on the gallows with a convict called Jeffries who had a reputation as a mass murderer and a cannibal and also an informant. And Brady was really indignant about being hanged alongside an informant. (laughs) (laughs) Cannibal, fine. Informant. Mass murderer, okay. Whatever. I'll give you that. (laughs) But a snitch? Informant. Mm. 
I gotta get hanged with a snitch? You gotta hang me with a snitch? <laughs> yes, you know, he kept his, his whatever his twisted morals were to the end. Um, I've read that some historians say that his actions were much more those of a rebellion than a, a, like just a crime spree. Um, and it's true that Australia, convicts in Australia got a pretty raw deal, but I don't know. Like, do you, would you would you regard him as a as a rebel? Oh yeah, definitely. Or, he definitely mm, yeah, a rebel, a rebel with yeah. a cause sounds like it. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a hat. <laughs> oh yeah, a rebel and with a, a hat. horse. <laughs> His wife horse. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the story of Matthew Brady, gentleman bush ranger. Wow. Oh, great story. How old was he when he was hanged? Uh. 28. Oh, wow. And he had been... Oh, do you want to guess how long he was on the run for? How long all that took? Uh, it sounded like a couple of years, maybe. It was 21 months, so... Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing to be on the run for that length of time um, yeah. and kind of not even really hiding that much. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Tasmania is a small uh, state by Australian standards, but it's... Like at this time, you know, there's only ten thousand people living there, you know, and and it's it would it is so wild. It's only been settled for about um, twenty years at the time, mm-hmm. so you could you know you could just run off into the hills, and and no one would be able to to follow you or right. find you. And and because he had so many of the convicts on his side, um, yeah, I think he just. Just got away with it, man. It's all about networking, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> networking. It's who you know. Yeah, it's who you know. <laughs> cool. That's what I say. That's a great story. I'd never mm-hmm. heard of him. Me neither. Yeah, I, 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 I came across him a couple of years ago, just saw the mention of his name and the fact that he'd um, taken the Sorel jail. I was like, that's a cool story. Mm. And I think, like, this feels like the sort of thing that you would make a movie of. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's that, you know, that underdog and that, you know, you get to cast him as some... Uh, handsome, well-dressed yet short man. Who's Dave, Tom Cruise. Thank you. Okay, all right. <laughs> Tom Cruise. We're going for it. We're all going Dave. for an Aussie casting. Surely, so. Errol Sorry. Flynn must have thought about it back in the day. Hollywood's own Flynn. Tasmanian. Yes, who went to went to my school? Did he really? My high school. Yeah, but he also went to almost every high school in <laughs> Tasmania because he was constantly getting expelled <laughs> for was he? doing. Naughty, sexy things. Oh. Mm. But we can't even feel good about uh, Errol Flynn because he was also a total asshole and an uh, extremely unpleasant man. Oh, is that a Tasmanian yeah. thing? or Was he, like, unpleasant in a Tasmanian way, you mean? Or? <laughs> oh, I just wonder. I mean, it's just we're learning about these Tasmanians and often they sound to be unpleasant, so. Well, well, well to be fair, um, Batman did... Uh, wasn't originally from Tasmania, and he did go on to found yeah, Melbourne. That so that's true. fair. Yeah, yeah let's I, let's not go towering with brushes. I do enjoy how you use the euphemism of unpleasant a lot to describe like things. Did I say that a lot? Well, just <laughs> I, anything that is the other side of awful. You just I love mm. the understatement of unpleasant. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because it contains the word pleasant. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, you can just focus on that. <laughs> yeah. Really softens the blow. Mm. That was so good, Andy. Thanks so much for coming to tell us that story. I know you've got to run before we go on to everyone's favourite section of the show, uh, mm. the fat quarter question, et cetera, section. But before you go, oh, just God, one more time, for people who don't 
uh, maybe didn't fully get how big and important your work on magma mm. is. Do you want to just describe it one more yes. time? Uh, it's it, it's my uh, engineering comedy uh, presentation, but it's not it's not about engine. It's not about engineering. We play two stupid people who think that they're geniuses trying to rebuild the world in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. And <laughs> uh, if you go to sospresents.com, you can get our live show. Um, performed without any of the the annoying audience laughter that you would normally get if you came and saw it live, so you can just enjoy it in peace and just fill it, fill the room with your own own laughter. Yeah, and it sounds like it probably sounds a bit highfalutin, maybe, uh, and you probably would there would be extra laughs if you are an engineer, I'd say. But I watched it as uh, someone who actually hates engineers, and I still <laughs> loved it very much. I found it very very funny. And uh, yeah, it actually almost made me maybe want to rethink my lifelong opinions on engineers that were formed yeah. in my university days. I watched it as someone with a hatred of Alistair Tremblay Birchall, <laughs> um, and while Very it didn't didn't fully turn me around on my feelings to him, I still managed to enjoy the show. Mm. I think one of the real <laughs> and one of the one of the great. Um, one of the great bonuses is hearing Andy talk in a funny voice for a whole hour. For a long time, yeah. <laughs> I really committed to that voice and I think I more or less managed to keep it up. Yeah, yeah. it'd be great. Yeah, terrible for my throat and vocal cords, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that's what you've got to do. So funny. If you're not willing to write funny enough material, you've got to be prepared to do a really silly voice. Yeah. And that's 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 my that's my promise to you. <laughs> so good. And so once people I get to stream, they can watch it, you know, every day for the rest of their life if they want. Is that kind of true? Correct. And it's uh, I think it's very affordable. It's less than ten dollars. Oh, that's that's yeah. You're basically giving it away. What are you, the gentleman comedian? <laughs> <laughs> that's me. Thanks so much for joining, Sandy. And people can also find your podcast, obviously, Two in the Think Tank, and your stupid old Andy on Twitter. That's right. Uh, where you make lots of funny short sentences and just put them out for the world to enjoy <laughs> like a gentleman would. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, everybody, for having me. I love you. And now it's time for everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact, quote, or question section, which I believe has a little jingle that goes something like this. Fact, quote, or question. Ding. He always remembers the ding, although that time I... Oh, he barely remembered. <laughs> I'm not sure if he did. I just wanted everyone at home to panic a little bit. Well, I panicked. I did. I think I had a little panic in my underpants, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, no. No. From the... <laughs> a weed. Oh, a weed in your <laughs> no, underpants? You did, a, you did a panic wee. I did a panic a wee. wee. Yes, sure. Uh, so <laughs> to get involved in this, you go to patreon.com slash pod and you uh, get involved on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial Edition package level, and then you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question. Then I'll read them out on the show. We do four each week. And you also get to give yourself a title. Firstly, this week, uh, this one comes from Zach Dobrin, who's given himself the title of official promoter of the pod to high school students in Virginia. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. Very niche, but a very important role. Is Virginia creamy country? No, that's Vermont. Vermont. Oh, but it's on that side. I imagine it's not that not that big a drive right. to go and get a sweet, sweet creamy. And I believe or a creamy, creamy, creamy. Virginia is one of the original states, isn't it? One of the oldest ones. Yes. Uh, and Zach has given us a quote, and this is his quote: "Day one, 
It was a quote by me, Matt Stewart. <laughs> we still don't know what you were talking about. Still don't know what you meant. What were you talking about? I liked it because no there knows. were listeners who said, I knew what you meant. And I liked that because it just everyone was able to put on their own meaning. So that's fantastic. Uh, I can't remember what episode that was in, but I just had a brain fade probably a, maybe a year ago now. I don't, I have no concept of time. It could have been five years yeah. ago. No idea at all. But Zach no does say these are truly words to live by and an inspiration to all. Yes. Thank you, Zach. Agreed. Well said. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Uh, the next one comes from David Loring who's given himself the title of Executive Director of Party Tricks that take a lot of effort and impress very few. <laughs> ah, so you kind of want... I'd flip You that. want the other yeah. way around. Yeah, Ideally. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's what he's in charge of, so... Um, and David is giving us a fact, and that fact is the original Nokia SMS tone is Morse code for SMS, dot, 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 dash, dash, dot, dot, dot. I had no idea. Oh. That's a great fact. That's Jess, is that fun? Yeah, that's, that's fun. That's a fun fact. I was about to say it and then realised my, my position. Your position is grim facts. Grim facts. Was that a grim fact? No. Uh, it's a delightful fact. Andy hit us fact. with a few good grim facts in this episode, <laughs> yeah. mainly about Batman and yeah. Australia just having a fucking dark past. Real bad. And present. Um. <laughs> the next, thank you so much, David Loring. The next one comes from Nathan Damon, who has given himself the title of Matt Stewart's stunt double. <laughs> That's great. Uh, <laughs> do you need a third person for a stunt ass, or do you do your own ass? No, work? I do my own ass work. Yeah, great work. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I've been doing Bulgarian split squats to get myself ready, get my Hell ass yeah. in the right in the right shape. <laughs> You did six months of work for six seconds of screen time. I love it. Six seconds? Please don't linger that long. <laughs> that would seem one, like an eternity. Just a flash. Just yeah. a little Three. flash of Point six fine. of a second, maybe. No, oh. no. I want the full six <laughs> seconds, please. I'm the director here. With no real context? It's just... Yeah. Just People are like, what the hell? <laughs> What's going this on? This was a heist Confusing. movie. <laughs> Why is there a butt? Did we really so need long. to see him in the shower with no dialogue for six, for six seconds? seconds? I know, just a close-up on his ass? Just the ass, like pushed up against the shower screen door. <laughs> just, just wiggled around yeah. for a bit. Like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> What's an ass, a squashed ass on it? That's a, No, that's the chop is a squashed frog, isn't it? What's that? Is that yeah. an ass got a name? I don't know. Dave, you might have just uh, started a new, whole new craze that's going to sweep oh, the nation. Fuck yeah, sweep the nation's bathrooms. <laughs> uh, imagine people are trying to do it at home and they're like, oh, I, but I only have a shower curtain. Just does not work. <laughs> uh, so Nathan Damon has given us a fact as well, and his fact is there's only one letter that doesn't appear in any US state name. Ooh. Dave, any guesses? Uh, X? It's not X. No, Texas. Hmm. Q. It is Q. What well on, Bob? Hey, Dave. What's this? What's this I got here for you? What's uh, that? A little present for, for you. What are you doing? Home. Dave, please describe the gesture Jess's. Uh, Jess is holding up her finger. It looks like it's bleeding. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. Give me this one. <laughs> That's how much, how much fury she has for you, Dave. She's sticking you up a bloody middle finger. <laughs> uh, and we've got one here from Vinnie Bonadonna. To close us out this week, 
Great name, Vinnie Bonadonna. Absolutely. Cracker. Who we've heard Amazing. from before. I mean, we've heard from well, most of these people before, but Vinnie Bonadonna, what a name. Uh, mm. Given himself the title of the Greyhound. Ooh. <laughs> I love that. that. Sounds pretty badass. That is super yeah, badass. Great. And he's also given us a fact. Bring in the Greyhound. Bring in the Greyhound. Call the Greyhound. <laughs> Not the fact, right? Uh, so no questions this week, which is... Anyway, it's good. we're getting a lot of questions lately, so it's good to have a bit of a mix-up with a bunch of facts. So this one from Vinny is, the city of Chicago's nickname, the Windy City, <laughs> ah, the Windy City, Chicago, <laughs> is not based on the weather in the city. The moniker derives from the shady politicians who are blowing wind when they speak out of their mouths or full of hot air. Uh, and Vinnie Bonadonna is from Chicago. He says, I learned this when I was about 13, now living in Las Vegas. I made a subtle joke to my dad about how windy it is here in this city compared to Chicago, and then my dad told me this. There could be some debate on the meaning of the nickname, though. Thank you guys for making cool stuff. I'm grateful for it. And a bonus quote, life happens wherever you are, whether you make it or not. And that's from Uncle... Iro. Thank you, Vinny. There you go. Windy City. Not not so windy. Yeah. yeah, the Windy City. Always assumed that it was more like what it said it was. Yeah. We take things so literally, you know. We need to take a step back every now and then. Yeah. Every now and then. Uh, so that brings us to everyone's other favourite part of the show where we thank a few of our patrons, a few more of our patrons. And these uh, great patrons are on the probably Arse Prod level. Or is it DB Cooper? How do I still not know this? Arse Prod. We just don't need to say it. Okay. I, sh- I should just go- not say it. Is that what you're saying? People can just go to pay- Patreon and they can work it they out. They can read it. Well, you know that that isn't necessarily the case because people don't necessarily always work it out, Dave. And I think me being confusing about it here is helpful. That's right. We're steering him in the right direction. Uh, So if I can kick it off, Jess, what what kind of game do you want to play with these names? Well, it's a tough one. I was thinking, you know how he was sort of called like the the gentleman bushranger. Could we give them some kind of title? Oh, yeah. The gentleman something else or the something bushranger or anything, I guess. Anything. Love that. You can show me what you mean when I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> from Endicott in New York State, United States, Austin Horst. Great name. Great name. The it is a really gentle, great name. gentle truck driver. Okay. Oh, right. That's nice. That's a nice name. The gentle truck driver, Austin Horst from Endicott. Gentle on the roads. Yeah. So, so I think I'm, I'm, it could, so it could just be anything. Does it have to have gentle anything, in yeah. it? No. <laughs> I love it. The gentle truck driver, Austin oh. Horst. Thank you so much for your support. I'd also love to thank from Bristol in Great Britain, Marisol Forbes. Oh, I think that we met Marisol at our shows in Bristol last year and she was the artist that made us all a little thing oh, out wow. of. I, I saw mine in mine sitting in my bedside table drawer, my saint's badge, because the badge bit fell off the back. So now it's just a beautiful little keepsake sitting (laughs) near my head when I sleep. She she made me a little pie key ring, which I think is really awesome. Did we ever put out a photo of those things? Surely. 
I don't think we did, but we should. We did, no. Amazing. We should do hmm. that for sure. Good so memory, thanks, Marisol. Dave. Marisol. Great name. Marisol Forbes. Uh, so do, uh, Marisol maybe could be the... I'll give you I'll give you the adjective and then you give the profession or whatever. The fantastic baker. Oh yeah. Because of the pie? Yeah. The, pie, yep. Dave. the yep. fantastic <laughs> baker. I mean, if you can make a pie keyring, you can make a real pie, right? Yeah. Surely. Yeah. The keyring is a lot harder than the pie. If you got a door, yep. you got a gym. If you got a pie keyring, you got a pie maker. Yes, exactly. Thank you so much, Marisol. And Thanks, fin- Marisol. Finally, Your I'd stuff love to is thank awesome. from Antioch in Tennessee in the United States, I reckon, TN, Melissa Pisarski. Melissa is the quiet tickler. Oh, quiet tickler. Never see it. You never hear it coming. That's right. You just might be sitting there watching TV and then tickle, tickle, tickle. Too late. You've been tickled. You've been tickled. tickled. That's that's a catchphrase. You've been tickled. <laughs> she walks and it's a it's a good catchphrase, yeah. and it's like it's a pleasant tickle as well. It's not one of those ones oh, that yeah. makes you you know want to punch a wall. <laughs> Is that a, yeah. one of the kinds of tickles? This one makes you want to just giggle with joy. You go, ah, oh, yeah. you got me, you got me, you got me, and she doesn't go too far. She doesn't tickle you for ages, where you're like, stop, yeah. please. It's just sort of like a little bit, and you go, oh, oh, you cheeky thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's cheeky. It's cheeky. It's beautiful. Thank you so much to <laughs> Melissa, Marisol, and Austin. Who would like to thank a few more of our great patrons? Uh, I'd like to. Th- yeah, yeah I'd like, I got in first. I'd like just to, no. ma- to <laughs> thank someone. What I was going to say. <laughs> well, I would love to thank from Rustburg oh. in VA. We're back That's in Virginia. Virginia. Yes. Which, uh, can I just say, so just quickly, I looked up the distance between Vermont and Virginia and someone's going to tweet me this. It's like a 12-hour drive, so it's not the easiest place to get a creamy from, but still, it's closer than we are, goddammit. Yeah. Yes. You'd, you'd happily do a 12-hour drive for one, oh, wouldn't for you? Oh, for creamy. Alphabetically yeah. very close. Yes. Yes. Well, I would love to thank Parker Riley. Fantastic name. Uh, Parker Riley, a.k.a. the devastating... Ooh. Devastating uh, fireman. Oh, the devastating Ooh. fireman. That's probably not the combo you want. <laughs> Does do they devastate fires? Oh. No, he's just devastatingly handsome. Oh, yeah. oh. that's a good combo, Parker. That's hello. also that's a stereotype, right? Firemen are handsome. That can't be. I mean, what a. What a what a wild connection those two things have. I think there's something very appealing about someone who can pick you up over their shoulder and just like and a kidnapper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. So. I just want to be carried around sometimes. Pick you back. Sometimes my my legs get tired and I want someone to carry yeah. me. I mean, you do you push a lot of weight. Those leg presses. What are you up to? Yeah. Oh, we've been in lockdown. I haven't. I haven't been able to yeah. go to the gym. I'm so excited to go. Gym's back oh, open no, here in Melbourne this week, is it? Oh, my God. Yeah, next week it starts. Are you going to start with like a low weight and work back those legs back up? Absolutely, because in that two-week block where we were allowed to go to the gym, I overdid it and couldn't walk for a week. Whoa. So I've learned and I'm going to just ease Love it. That. But I'm very excited. Hey, Jess, after um, you do a bit of work there, you could be my butt double. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
six seconds. I could do it now. Six... I don't even need to do any work and I could be an amazing I got a six-second wow. scene uh, that you are perfect for. This <laughs> <laughs> could be a big break. <laughs> look completely different, different heights. It's like, that's I don't think that's him. That's definitely a woman's waist. <laughs> no, no. Um, anyway, thank you, Parker. I'd also love to thank from Roseville. What's MN? Minnesota. I'm doing so well today. I'm doubting myself, but I'm getting it. Um, Roseville, Minnesota. I'd love to thank Jessica English. Jessica English. Oh, the brilliant archaeologist. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Like that. When I was a kid, yeah. I wanted to be an archaeologist. Yeah, that me was too. A dream. I don't. I didn't really know what it meant apart from digging up fun stuff and discovering stuff. Basically, yeah. I was inspired by the phrase film, The Mummy. Uh, of course. Of course yeah, you were. Yeah, I was too. Who wasn't inspired by that oh film? Oh, my God, great movie. Great, film. great movie. Great dashing lead, the guy who played um, The Mummy. You're welcome, Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, I would love to thank from Roslyn Park, South Australia, Tony Faye. Oh. Tony Faye, Roslyn Park, first Aussie that we've thanked today. Uh, so obviously, uh, Tony Faye, um, the dashing chef. Oh, the dashing chef. Wow. He's, uh, there's a, a, a television series ready to go for the dashing chef, I reckon. Easily, yep. yep. What's his specialty? What does he cook? This is Tony with an eye, so it might be or what a does she. she cook? Uh, specialty is uh, uh, Portuguese Ooh. cuisine. Oh, wow. That's quite nice. Like Nando's? Yeah, yeah Nando's. Oh, wow. The South African chain. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, do you want to bring it home? I'd love to. Thank you so much, everyone. Thanks so far. But let me take it home with from Limerick City in Ireland. It is Christina Ma. Christina Ma. Christina Ma. Limerick, is that Stab City? I always forget. You get confused. Cork? There's yeah. always two, you never know which is which. Yeah, and I guess one would be offended and one's prouder. Yeah, we're Stab City. And the other's like, no, we're not Stab City. <laughs> uh, Limerick. I don't know. Uh, Ma. Okay, what about The Marvelous? Ooh. Uh, Dragon Slayer. Oh, whoa. Far out. Holy that crap. is good. Holy Holy crap. Oh. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> yeah, Christina, you've just taken it to the next level. I just gave Tony a fucking chef. <laughs> yeah, but long hours. But Portuguese. Antisocial long hours. It's Portuguese, and now, come on. Fucking Christina coming in here. Whoa. Limerick is known as Stab City. Colloquially. You, why? Colloquially. I, th- I, I think, want to know why? I think it, they were, they, at one point was a few stabbings there. Right. Hopefully. It's less rough now. That's just what when I when I travelled through there, people told me that late uh, after I was wandering around at night by myself, and then people were like you wandered around by yourself at night in Stab <laughs> City. And you're like, oh, I just wondered why I got stabbed six times. Oh, I thought they didn't <laughs> like weird. me, but they do yeah. that for everyone. That's their local custom. So thank you, Christina. I would like to thank now from Preston here in Victoria. Shannon Bowler. Shannon Bowler. Shannon is the... What about the... Tremendous? Oh, that's good. Trapeze. Artist? Or just actual trapeze? 
<laughs> People jump. The human trapeze. Yeah, well, the tremendous trapeze, in brackets, human trapeze. <laughs> wow. Which sure. one's the trapeze again? Is that the one where you're sort of flipping around? Flipping around on like a little, uh, you know, a little flying fox style stuff. Wow. I would absolutely do trapeze. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I tried to do uh, monkey bars for the first time in a long time recently, and <laughs> whatever strength you need to do them is not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wasted on kids, I reckon. So I'm like, all right, I'm I'm getting a I'm getting a some sort of a, a chin up bar, and I'm going to work. I got to be able to reclaim the monkey bars. I mean, I hope I host one of the world's top five primate based podcasts. I need. Yeah. To be able to do the monkey bars. I believe it's also, you know, it probably requires a fair bit of core strength. You might need to do some ab work. Yeah, I've been doing ab work. I've been doing planks every two out of three days. That's good. Side planks, they suck. Well, they did. Yep. They're getting easier, but they at first I couldn't do it for 10 seconds. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, this is fun chat. Uh, <laughs> I've just looked up the Merriam-Webster dictionary. The the word, you can say trapeze artist, you can also say trapezist. So can oh. I change that to the tremendous trapezist? Yeah, that yeah, sounds love great. That. I love that. Great. Trapezist. That sounds cool. And then, yeah, so it's the sort of one where you're hanging, it's like two, it's like, yeah, like a, a pole and you're hanging and each end is... Like a little swing a you hang on to. Yeah. yeah. Swing. Yeah. <laughs> the swing you hang on to is... Yep. <laughs> I was never going to get there. I don't know how <laughs> I made that so difficult. Anyway, would you believe it? Make, make it something sound more confusing than it is? <laughs> uh, well, that brings us to the end of uh, Oh, I shouting. believe I have one more, right? Oh, do we have time for one more? Yeah, all right. We've got time for one, Come, we've got time for one for more. I'd like to thank from South Shields in Tyne and Weir, Great Britain, it is Jamie Collins. The... The... What have I set you up and you finished it off, Bob? Yeah. The Big Piper. Oh, Ooh. I like it. Yeah, Big Piper's good. That's good. The Big Piper. Like you're thinking bagpipes? Bagpipes, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a fantastic instrument. You don't want to live next door to someone who plays it, but still. No. It's fresh in my mind because I looked up what do you call a bagpipe player um, just last week because... Someone, I opened up questions on my Instagram story and someone said, who should I listen to first as a foreigner, John Farnham or Jimmy Barnes? And I said, start with John Farnham. Sorry, Matt. Um, uh, And then I shared a video of John Farnham playing at my work Christmas party a few years ago and how they had someone come out just to play bagpipes for 10 seconds and then leave. I was like, how much did work pay for this? This is insane. Yeah. Any chance you there can was just a bump piper. our pay up a little? <laughs> yeah. We don't have to have this Christmas party, you know. I'd love some sick leave, but no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like Farnsey too. I'm a big Barnsey fan, obviously, but I'm, I'm yeah. also partial. Mum brought me up on a bit of Farnsey as a kid as well. Oh, so I've seen Farnsey think... a few times in concert. I saw him once where he did a double headline show with Lionel Richie. Oh, wow. Wow, do they do any uh, songs together? They did. I can't remember what it was. but I And Farnsey was on first. Lionel uh, closed it out. And i got to tell you, Farnsey blew Lionel off the stage. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, obviously both. Both. Uh, legends of the game. Yeah. Of the pop music game. Uh, yeah. So, the Big Piper. I like that a lot. It sounds like one of Australia's big things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, and that only leaves us with a few uh, Triptych Club inductees to talk about. Um, and the way you get involved in this is staying on the shout-out level of our Patreon supporter group for three years, and then you get brought into this very exclusive club. I'm standing out the front. I'm about to open up that, lift that velvet rope. Uh, there's a few people waiting on the red carpet. Dave's inside. He's going to hype you up as I read your name. Jess is going to hype him up. Jess has also worked on some hors d'oeuvres, a few cocktails, and uh, Dave's booked a band. Who, who have we got here for all the Triptych Club members? Uh, we got the music of Sting. Whoa! Soul. Performed by who? Uh, performed by Sting, luckily. Oh, okay. He's covering was, himself. That was quite uh, quite a hard get. He wanted to play other stuff these days. He wa- he actually asked if he oh. could bring out Shaggy because they did an album together last year. I said absolutely not. <laughs> so Shaggy's still at home. Oh, so it's just shaggy. Sting, Solo, and also some of the police hits as well. Oh, right. When uh, uh, Sting went up to Shaggy to tell him the news and he said, uh, did it? The- <laughs> <laughs> this is so good. Here we go. We know where you're going. Here go. Come, Come on. on. Yeah. Here we go. What, what happened, Matt? Let's Please go, tell Come the story. On, Come on, and, paint uh, that picture. And Shaggy, uh, Shaggy, obviously, he was the one who was talking to Dave. And uh, and Shaggy went up to Sting and said, Dave Warnicky booked one of us for the Triptage Club. And Sting goes, oh, which one of us did he book? And Shaggy said, it wasn't me. <laughs> and Shaggy said, was it Mr. Bombastic? <laughs> Mr. Rovalova. <laughs> I'm recalling those lyrics That was correctly. quite a story, Matt. Thank you so that much for amazing. that. Well that done. is exactly how it happened. Um, so a peek behind the velvet rope and the curtain there. But Sting, <laughs> Fields of Gold, he hits the stage. Oh, what about a 9 tune. o'clock Love for his first tune. set. Second set, 11.30, he really gets the beat going. You know, it's a late night, Saturday yeah. night yeah, thing. Wow. Does some of his police work. Yeah. As in he starts to, you know, <laughs> check IDs and stuff. <laughs> yeah, so he's on the door as well. Yeah. Oh, but Fields of Gold, I'd forgotten about that song. That's fantastic. That's a great song. Uh, covered beautifully by... Can't remember her name, but it's a... oh god, god, I know what you mean. So good, I don't know what you mean, but uh... Uh, and Jess, what kind of hors d'oeuvres have we got? Well, this week we've got a classic Aussie barbecue. Uh, I got a couple of Barbies on the go. We got some of my dad's classic potatoes. Oh, oh just. I'll, slices them up real thin, yeah. makes chips out of I them. I love that. Ooh, I, I love barbecues that are just, you just chuck anything on and it, yeah. it works. Yeah. You could barbecue anything and it's so good. But potatoes are great. Grunions, uh, big fan. Oh, yeah. And, you know, lots of different types of meat, but salads and uh, just, you know, help yourself. A few veggie delicious. shish kebabs. Of course. Wouldn't be a barbecue without some shish kebabs. And drink-wise, we actually have a specialty cocktail this week called Fields of Gold. Oh, wow. And it is vodka, passion fruit, and mango. Oh, that sounds wow. delicious. Eva wow. Cassidy is who I was thinking of, the cover of Fields of Gold. is quite good. Um, now, uh, is that all we need to do before I start bringing them in? Yeah. All right. Well, let's go through the list. We've got a few well, in this week. You also week. have to tell the, tell the people at home what's happening in case they've never heard this before. I am the hype man for these people, and then Jess is my hype woman. Yeah. Hyping yes. me up to hype up these guests. Yeah. So, and I'm really. I'm really glad that Andy didn't stick around for this because it is quite embarrassing. <laughs> and there's a few today, Dave, so I don't need – you just need to keep oh, believing in yourself. Sh- how many are keep there? Keep the steam going. There's more this week than there has been in quite a while, okay? Okay. So, 
Oh my god! Uh, what did we do three years ago to get them in? Thanks so much, everyone. Yeah, there's there is. <laughs> so all right, let's go through them. These are all big names too. It was a big week for us three years back. Uh, from Janesville in I'm going to say Wisconsin, WI, Janesville <laughs> in the United States. It's Robert Crandall. Oh, but teacher's name's Krabappel. I've been calling her Crandall. Welcome in yes. with a Simpsons quote. Uh, from Seville East in Victoria, Australia, Terry Nighouse. Oh, it's going to be a Nighouse tonight. Yeah, woo! <laughs> the mean, uh, from Shetland in Scotland, it's Ben Fulton. Oh, you ain't no Ful- Fulton. You're a legend. <laughs> yeah. From <Woo>! Conroe <laughs> in Texas, United States, Stephanie and Evan Keller. Oh, it's Keller and Keller. Come on down. All right. <laughs> yeah. From Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, it's Millie Soff. Oh, well, how do we how do you spell that? S-O-F. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, because it's not going to be a soft night. It's going to be a hard night. We're going to go all night. All right. Woo! From Spokane in Washington, the United States, Matthew Dennis. Oh, I thought it wasn't going to be a good night. But I spoke Kane too soon. It's going to be a great <laughs> night. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> From Bentonville in, I think, Arkansas in the United States is Paul Valentine. Oh, will you be my Paul Valentine? Yes. And a couple more from Fernie Hills in Queensland, Australia. It's Alice Joy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you oh, bring us a lot of joy. Yes. And finally, from Derry in Ulster, Great Britain, uh, Northern Ireland, I reckon. It's mm-hmm. C I A N. Sean? Sean. 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 From Derry in Ulster, it's Sean Lanigan. Woo! Derry girl is here! <laughs> yeah! All right! Yes. Woo! Thank you so much, everyone, for putting up with that. Oh, my God. Dave needs a nap now. You must be white. It's so hard stuff. to be in the zone for that long. I know. Fuck. But you did so well. So if you want well to get involved, you can do so at patreon.com slash pod. Link in the show notes. And, yeah, once you sign up, you get all sorts of Bonus rewards for keeping the lights on here at the show, keeping us running. Our patrons are the ones who've meant that we've been able to do this show for 263 weeks in a row now. Well, that's not quite right, is it? Because we did three that first week. But you know what that's I mean. Right. 230, <laughs> uh, 263 episodes without missing a week. And uh, if you want to get involved, please do. You get bonus episodes. There's three per month now. You also get voting privileges. You also get to... Um, join the Facebook group. You get uh, discounts on uh, our live streams, which we have got coming up. You can. You also hear about oh, things first. We should also say, if you sign up really soon, and we should put a date on this, we have to. We're going to send out our annual Christmas cards soon. Oh yeah, we should say maybe maybe one week. I reckon because we got to get onto it soon. Yeah, we normally say the first of November, but we have missed we'll that. We'll extend by a, a week. If you what do we say? Yeah. If you sign up by November the eleventh, which is our fifth anniversary of when those first three episodes remember, came out. Remember, remember. <laughs> well, that actually, is Remembrance Day. <laughs> um, November in Australia. Uh, so, if you sign up by November eleven, 
Um, and all the details are on the website. We will send you a Christmas card to every, wherever you are in the world. Yep. Different every year. Some people have this will be their fifth one, right? Yeah, I'd love to yeah. see some photos of people if if anyone's collecting them all. <laughs> Imagine. And everyone's like, oh, this is embarrassing, Matt. We chuck them out straight away. <laughs> Almost immediately, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Look, we, we, um, we've started, the last few years we've started to outsource the artwork to um, some sort of friend of the show. I don't think we've even, we'll, we'll get on to all that soon. Good reminder. Yeah, thanks, everyone. <laughs> you reminded us good. Um, so, yeah, it, it, but it always looks great. Um, and, yeah, it's nice. I fucking love Christmas, as you two know. I mean, Dave is the festive boy on pod, off pod. I'm the festive man. I fucking <laughs> love Christmas so much. I went to the shops for the first time in ages recently. They've already got the Christmas stuff up and people complain about oh, that. Yeah. I'm like, fucking yes, here it comes. No, I, a third of the year I bought is a Christmas, Christmas tree Woo! like a month ago. I'm really excited. Oh, man, I love wow. Christmas. Love it. I just love the joy it brings. Yeah. I love saying, what day is it, sir? <laughs> you there, boy. No, I did that in reverse. <laughs> the real flip on the classic where the boy, the boy becomes the old Grinch guy. Yeah. All right. So. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And thanks again to Andy for joining us and doing such a great report. One more time. It's yeah. sospresents.com if you want to stream or download. Well, watch it anytime is what I'm trying to say. Magma, uh, his great comedy show. And also if you want to get tickets to our four live streams coming up really, really soon. So it's a live podcast and then also an hour of something else afterwards, an extra show that no one else will see. And, yeah, if you do watch Magma, tell us about it. We'd love to hear um, what you, you reckon, uh, assuming it's positive. <laughs> Please only positive. Please only great. positive. Yeah. We don't need to hear your fucking negative bullshit. Uh, much love to you all. <laughs> all right, wrap it up here. <laughs> Thanks so much. Everything that we ever talk about is at dogoonpod.com. But until next week, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, If you want, it's up to you.